Hi, I'm Heather Taylor from Simplicity 2.0's podcast. If you've listened to our last few episodes, you know we believe headlines about would-be robot overlords overrunning the workforce deserve a healthy dose of skepticism. But taking a measured look at how technology like artificial intelligence might change business also means looking closely at the everyday ways that it already is. Robotic process automation, or RPA, might be a little humdrum for science fiction aficionados, but there's plenty about it to excite business leaders who are watching the bottom line. As the name implies, RPA works by teaching a software robot how to work with existing software to perform a process. The advantage of RPA over other kinds of automation software is that for repetitive manual data entry-based tasks, RPA technology offers a non-intrusive approach to integrate multiple lines of business applications together. Plus, robotic process automation doesn't put as much of a burden on IT as solutions that require a lot of coding. Experts say that RPA could reduce costs by up to 80%, reduce time spent by up to 90%, and have a return on an investment of up to 200% in the first year. Sounds great, right? So how can your company take advantage of this new technology? Simplicity 2.0 is brought to you by Laserfiche, the elite provider of global enterprise content management software, which manages and controls information so you empower employees to work smarter, faster, and better. We're joined today by Fanny Ipp, expert associate partner at McKinsey & Co., who's going to tell us more about why you should use robotic process automation, or RPA, at your company. My first question is, what makes RPA valuable in the first place? Why would organizations care about this type of automation? Um, so there are mostly two main reasons for it. Um, the first one is most of the organization have been very relentless to find ways to, um, to, to keep the, the organizations running more efficiently. So in the past, they might be thinking about um, centralizing from a high-cost location to a low-cost location, and then they're thinking about offshoring. Um, and now they have this new lever, which is um, RPA, and sometimes we call it digital labor, to help them with um, doing a lot of the work that they used to, a lot of transactional work. That's one main reason. The other reason is that um, you'll find that RPA originates from the need of business users. Um, and uh, and a lot of times it's with the back offices, which they are not really the profit generating um, units. And so when they come to having a request for IT uh, improvements, they're always at the bottom of the list. But RPA make it very easy for the business to help automate some of their processes themselves um, and, and still achieve um, the goal that they have. So uh, what sorts of processes can this digital labor help with? So what types of software does it work really well with and, and how can people utilize it? Yep. So um, RPA uh, is very good at doing anything that are very transactional and rule based. Um, so what it means is most of the, a lot of the back offices function that you can think of will be a very good candidate for LPA. And um, in terms of uh, the software, what, what does it work well with? Um, one interesting thing about RPA is that it is working at the user interface layer. That means that it is not actually, you are not changing anything in the middleware or in the back end. So um, it's purely mimicking what a user is doing on your computer from a user interface. So it works with 
pretty much any type of software. Um, it works with uh, web-based software, uh, window-based software, and if you need to go um, uh, log in through a Citrix and things like that, it will still work. And one other interesting thing about it is a lot of organization may still have those really old software um, that are maybe green screen, and LPA will still work with them. So we find that that is a surprising thing that um, organizations find that they, they're reluctant to retire those green screen system, but able to leverage this type of technology and still make the process very efficient. Yeah, that would be really useful. And so, yeah. you know, obviously, if they want to keep some of these systems that they're used to utilizing, you know, what does the adoption of this process the robotic process automation look like today? So for example, how widespread is it? What kind of companies are the first to use it? You know, what kind of use cases are you seeing here? Um, I would say that uh, we have evolved quite a bit in the past few years. Um, I think two, three years ago, when we first started talking about RPA, people are just talking about proof of concept, like where can I find uh, one or two use cases and try it out. But now when I go to conferences or when I go to actually talking to the clients, they're really talking about how do I um, scale it up? Um, they originally, they don't need you to, they don't need us to prove that there are use cases for it, but they want to understand how they can leverage this at a more higher scale. Um, and I would say that the companies that first leverage it and now it is at a scale level is um, a lot of the financial institutions because they do have a lot of transactional processes that they need to go through due to regulatory um, reasons as well as they just have a lot of transactions. Um, but now we have seen more and more across um, industry uh, companies um, using it. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing is that besides um, the type of company using it, we are also seeing that in the past, people are trying to use it mostly for the back offices function. However, now they are also seeing the benefits of leveraging them in some of the processes that were tra traditionally not considered the back offices, but supporting um, some of the sales um, function and things like that. So if your company wants to get started in RPA, what are the first steps they need to take? I think the first step that any company needs to take is to think about why they want to use RPA, what's the ultimate goal is. Um, for some companies, it might be cost. Um, for some companies, it is really to free up excess capacity so that they can use their stuff to do something else. And for some, they are purely wanting to make sure that the process is error-free, um, have the highest quality. Um, the reason why they have to be crystal clear upfront what they want to accomplish is because it will drive how they would pick the type of use cases and how they would implement them. So I would say the very first thing that I always ask my clients to do is to think about what is your ultimate goal um, and prioritize them. It's okay to have multiple goals, but just be clear to yourself that which one is the most important one. Mm -hmm. And so once you have it installed, you're you know, utilizing RPA, how does that teaching process work? You know, how do you show a robot, um, software robot what to do? Um, so there are two different types of robots. Um, so there are the more traditional type of robots and that you, you actually have to tell them every single rules. So it's very like the much like the traditional 
coding or programming because you have to figure out what is the different conditions and then if A, then B. So that's how you teach it. And then there is, um, and, and, and so you, you can imagine the type of use cases for this type of robots will be the ones that you have, uh, it's is just rule-based, right? They don't make any decision. So there are some newer kind of robots now that um, we, we call it combining with LPA and machine learning that you are setting up um, the robots to learn what's uh, being expected to do. So they are actually going to learn about the different patterns of like if situation A, if they observe enough use cases, they would know what they are supposed to do. Um, so for that type of a robot, the teaching process is pretty much you set it up on um, the user's computer and then have just have the robot observe what they do and um, the and then the human being will give uh, feedback and say yes this is what you should do and no this is not what you should not uh, this is what you should do next time and after a certain period of time and after the number of cases um, when uh, go, go up to a statistically um, uh, relevant level then you can hand it off to the robot to do so that those are the two different types of teaching process right now that's available for robots. Wow, that's actually super cool. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I really want, well, maybe I do. I want a robot to like watch me all day and then um, they can just take over for me, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, eventually they, they, that's the goal, right? Um, but that process takes a little bit longer time to do. Well, I'm glad that at least I have a job for a little bit longer. Um, so, so last question I have here. Um, how will RPA technology evolve in the future? So you're telling us like how it works now and mm -hmm. you know, in time that it, it will be able to do a lot of these tasks that, that people are doing now. What does this look like in the future? Yep, so RPA is still the most basic form of um, automation technology. Um, so a lot of what we are seeing in the next 18 months is or, or even a little bit longer time frame is that you will see that that's the foundational automation technology. And then in the future, one of the things that it will definitely be more, more prevalent um, is workflow. So imagine in the world where in the future, since we are automating some of this process, um, in the future, your future workforce will be partly human being and partly robots. Someone has still has to manage like who is doing what and, and whatnot. So that's where workflows come in. So you'll see in the future more and more of this automation um, uh, workflow will be combining RPA with workflow technology. The other thing that we have been seeing is that RPA companies and um, what cognitive and AI are trying to combine some of this into into one. So let's I'll give you an example. Um, so for example, in the IBM Watson, one of those API is to be able to judge um, incoming like your emotions, like are you happy or not happy based on how you write and what you write. Some of the RPA vendor are leveraging that to help route some of those um, um, incoming uh, email requests. So if they sense that you are unhappy, they might route it to a higher like prioritized queue 
so that they will, I mean, so that the company will respond to those more quickly. So we'll see more and more that um, a lot of this RPA cognitive AI stuff are going to combine, combine to be used together to, to, to help with um, the overall uh, process uh, processing. Well, just want to say a huge thank you to you, Fanny Ip, um, at McKinsey yeah. Company for coming to talk to us today. So thank you so much. Don't forget to add Simplicity 2.0 to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. Thanks to Laserfiche for sponsoring today's episode. Learn more about Laserfiche at laserfiche.com backslash simplicity or follow on Twitter at Laserfiche. Until next time, this is Heather Taylor for Simplicity 2.0.